0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new show we'll be doing throughout the playoffs, just called the NBA Whiparound, basically looking at the week's action throughout both the eastern conference and western conference always love to talk hoops you can get at me at jazz kang 21 on twitter if you ever want to discuss one of the series before i jump into things don't forget subscribe to liberty ballers podcast network you can catch us wherever you get your fix and of course go to libertyballers.com for all your sixers needs as they look prime to head into round two the Sixers, of course have a couple of days off that are off thursday and friday back at it on saturday for a two o'clock game against the Raptors. Looking to finish off that series. As we all know, Joel Embiid hit the big three to win it in game three as time was running out in the extra session. Of course, he let Drake know about it as well, saying, hey, he's coming for that sweep, and we'd love to see that too, meaning the Sixers will get some extra time off. Again, that game goes on Saturday. I'll have the post-game show with you along with Jackson Frank. But looking around the rest of the NBA, lots of good action on Thursday Three series in the Western Conference started off with the Minnesota Timberwolves playing their first home playoff game in what feels like an eternity. The crowd was rocking, the T Wolves were up 46 to 21, and then the wheels came off the bus. The Grizzlies owned the rest of that game, outscoring Minnesota 37 to 12 in the final quarter. Dylan Brooks on fire in this one. Desmond Bain also looked good, he had 26 points six boards and two assists. But really, you saw the soul come out of the Timberwolves in this game. As they gave up that lead, everything was clicking for them throughout the first half. And then, like I said, it was just nothing but downhill that entire final 24 minutes of the game. The T-Wolves looking like now that series going to probably end in five. That's my prediction right now. If they had any shot at trying to pull off the upset over Memphis, they had to win this one. And they were in a prime position to do it, playing at home, Had the crowd behind him. And then, of course, everything just kind of fell the bus. The T-Wolves didn't score a point, I believe, for eight and a half minutes until D'Angelo Russell broke that cold streak. So, again, looking at that series from a T-Wolves perspective, game four you pretty much will have to have. Because if you lose that, going back to the grindhouse, you're not coming out of there with a win the way you did in game one. So I'm looking at that. The Grizzlies seem to have found their rhythm after facing that early deficit and look like they're going to be able to pull that series off in the next maybe two games here that they're going to, they're going to be able to win that one in five. Also another team self imploding right in front of our eyes, the Utah jazz who seemed like everybody's favorite punching bag. doesn't matter what Donovan Mitchell does. He had 32 points and six dimes, but Jalen Brunson yet again, no Luka Doncic in the lineup, still dealing with that calf strain might be able to suit up for game four. That's the latest reports we've been getting, but Brunson stepping up without him. He ended up having 31 points, five assists, and looking at what they've been able to do against a pretty good Utah team, obviously we saw the Jazz struggle a lot over the last half of the season there, but still not really offering much resistance to a team missing their best player. Like Luka Doncic is a legitimate MVP candidate, maybe a notch below Jokic and Bead and Giannis, but he's right there, and the Mavs are playing without him, and you're seeing these guys step up in his absence. Maxi Kleber again hot four or five from beyond the arc in this one. He's now made. 12 out of his last 17 attempts from deep. So you look at what they've been able to get just in terms of production up and down their lineup. Again, missing a star level guy like Luca, The Jazz are in trouble. And this is going to be it. Danny Ainge is going to start working the phones, looking to blow things up, whether that's a Rudy Gobert trade, whether that's a Donovan Mitchell trade. Quinn Snyder likely coaching his final series for Utah if the Jazz end up coming up short in this one. So again, lots of storylines there with the Jazz. They have some talent. Obviously, look around that lineup. You got Bogdanovich. Obviously, you got Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, as I've talked about. Also looking at Jordan Clarkson, a guy who was in the running for sixth man of the year not too long ago, but not been able to put it together for an entire series. And where we kind of get used to the Jazz being the punching bag in the sense that they're not able to pull it off in the postseason. And you're seeing a team there that, again, has the talent, individual talent, but from everything we've heard about the problems between Gobert and Mitchell, looks like That is kind of gone by the wayside now. So whatever hopes Utah had of maybe becoming a championship contender, I think this is the last we'll see of it. And we'll see Danny Ainge blow things up there eventually. One team I do want to hit on, though, the Golden State Warriors looked great yet again. They got a win over the supposed MVP in Jokic. I feel like this is going to be similar to what Dirk went through back in 2007 when the We Believe Warriors upset a 67-win Mavs team in the first round. And we were talking about him being the MVP, talking about how great Dirk was, and he flamed out. And that looks like that's going to happen the same thing with with Jokic. That doesn't matter how good he was. He had 37 and 18. And I'm not taking anything away from the Nuggets when you're missing Jamal Murray, missing Michael Porter Jr., two of the three best players. You're looking at that. That's tough to recover from. But the Nuggets, still a 48-win squad. But, man, the Warriors, Jordan Poole, 27 points in this one. They're bringing Steph Curry off the bench. The dude is like a top 20 talent of all time, and they're still bringing him off the bench. And when they're playing that lineup with Curry, Poole, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins, they're owning, owning their opponents. And I think you're going to continue to see that. Everything's kind of breaking nicely for the Warriors to come out of the West. Obviously, with the Suns dealing with Devin Booker's hamstring injury, he's likely out for at least another week or two at at a minimum. That's usually a two- to four-week injury, for according to Brian Windhorse who said it's a grade one hamstring strain. So you're looking at that. The Suns might be in trouble. They've already lost one to the Pelicans at home, and New Orleans are the upstart team with Brandon Ingram. You've seen what they're, they're able to do in, in game two against Phoenix. So for me, I, th- I think things are starting to break for the Warriors that they're going to be coming out of the West. No disrespect to the Grizzlies, who are obviously a young squad of a ton of talent, but as you've seen historically in the NBA, Older teams win. You don't really see teams with a bunch of young dudes who haven't been through some playoff adversity break through and win a championship. And I think that's what's going to happen with Memphis in round two and with the Warriors clicking the way they are. If you get a chance to watch the highlights too, Draymond Green made a fantastic defensive play. Late in the game, the Warriors are up five, less than a minute to go. He's guarding Jokic one-on-one, which he's been doing straight up a lot of the time he's been guarding him and was able to get a steal, clean steal. no, No way anybody can argue that was a foul. That ended up basically sealing the game for them. And so you're seeing what that squad's doing. I think the Warriors are going to be the team coming out of the West. You know, they haven't been in the postseason the last couple of years. So we haven't got to see, obviously, Clay Thompson for two years until he returned now a few months ago. So again, that team is looking like a juggernaut. But health is always going to be the most important thing. And, you know, we look look at the Suns in the West. There's a team dealing with some serious injury problems in the East. I'll jump into that in a second. But... Looking at that, the Suns now are gonna to have to expend a lot of energy to get past an upstart Pelicans team. Like I said, with Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, those guys are are doing a lot of good things. So man, if if Booker's healthy, I'm I'm taking the Suns to probably win that in five or six. But now that you're dealing with that injury and that uncertainty, could be a longer series. And and again, depending on how long Book is out, we don't know what's gonna happen in any of the other series as well, and in, in terms of injuries, but if if he's not able to play, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Pelicans take it to seven. And if you get there, who knows? Because you can get a 40-point night from Brandon Ingram, a 30-point night from CJ McCollum, and the Suns maybe not have the offensive fire off, offensive firepower without Booker to be able to make up that difference. So again, there's a ton of good storylines so far in the NBA in both conferences. We've been seeing that. As I mentioned, in the West, the Warriors looking like the team to beat so far, but again. We'll see what happens. They're up three to nothing now as well. If you don't know, 143 teams have been down 0-3 in the playoffs. None of them have been able to come back. So I don't don't anticipate your MVP and Nikola Jokic being able to lead his squad to a monster comeback against the loaded Warriors team. I want to jump into the Eastern Conference as well. Uh, More games coming up in the East on Friday. I'll do that after a short break. All right, we're back. Touching a bit on the Western Conference there in the first half of the pod, looking at what's happening in the East. Now, I mentioned there is a team dealing with some serious injury woes. That's the Milwaukee Bucks. They're going to be missing Chris Middleton. Their top, maybe their second, third best player. If you if you want to look at Jeru Holiday, obviously I think we'd all go with Middleton as the consensus. But again, that's a huge blow to that Bucks squad. And they're also dealing with an injury to Bobby Portis, who is a valuable depth piece. Both got injured in game two which the Bucks were upset in by Chicago to tie that series up at one. So you're looking at that, again, the Bucks with Giannis, I mean, he has the capability of going off for 50 any night. So I'm not gonna say that that you know they're dead in the water because they're not, because they have arguably one of the top three players in the NBA, at least for sure with Giannis. And I'd listen to arguments that he is the best, although I'd still go with Embiid, just given what we've seen from him the entire season. But looking at that, that matchup too, the Bulls were able to do a lot of good things on the offensive end against the Bucks in that second game. And if you're missing Middleton, who's a guy who's going to put up 20 to 25 points for you, somebody's got to make up that difference. So we're going to have to see what Bud does with his squad, what adjustments he makes and try and see if maybe the Bucks try and slow things down there a little bit to get into more of a grinding type game against Chicago with DeMar DeRozan doing what he's doing. He's averaging just under 28 a game and the Bulls They have some firepower, not high-end stuff like we've seen, like I said, with Giannis or looking around at the other teams with Steph Curry and you can go down the line, Joel Embiid, but they have a ton of good players, right? You got DeRozan, you got Vucevic, you got Zach Levine, Alex Caruso now back, a big help on the defensive end. So that's going to be an interesting game. That one's coming up Friday at 8.30 Eastern. The teams that are in the same bracket as the Sixers, the Heat and the Hawks, Atlanta hasn't offered a ton of resistance to Miami, the top seed in the East yet. That's a 2-0 series Trey young though, back at home. And if you look at the betting line for that, it's only one. So that might be one of the classics where the team loses the first couple on the road, comes home c- guns a blazing for, for game three, Trey young could go off for 40. But again, I think Miami just obviously the better team in that series, the deeper team in that series with Butler, bam Adebayo, bio, you know, Tyler hero, you go down the line that, that, is a very, very good roster. So I don't see the Hawks being able to pull off more than a game, maybe two. And those will probably come at home Uh, again. I'm still, I would lean towards betting on the Hawks in game three, just because I don't like that line. And I feel like odds makers are trying to sucker you in to take in Miami in that one. But overall, again, uh, that's the Sixers are going to play the winner of that series. And so if you're looking at it, things kind of broke well, you know, I talked a little bit in the, in the first half of the pod about things breaking well for the Warriors in the West you look at the East, I think Miami's a great matchup for Philly. I, I think the Sixers have the two best players in that series overall. If you look at Joel and James Harden, and then you can make a case that, sure, you know, you can put Jimmy Butler up there, Bam Adebayo, obviously a very, 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 very good player. But then, you know, Tyrese Maxey doing his thing, and he's playing well. Tobias Harris, who we clowned on a lot during the season. Again, not a guy worth $37 million. But he stepped up his game. So I think the Heat are going to be the preferential matchup out of the big guns in the East. And with the way things broke with the bracket, that's exactly who the Sixers are look like they're going to play in round two. Now looking around at the rest of the series, big problems in Brooklyn. The Nets down 2-0 to a very good Celtic squad. Kevin Durant hasn't been able to elevate his game. He's been struggling from the field, and that's obviously killing Brooks, Brooklyn's chances. But that game goes on saturday in game three not a lot separating the two teams they've played a couple of really really close ones although brooklyn had the lead throughout game two and just couldn't sustain it against against boston and and eventually the defense of the celtics took over as i mentioned kd has been struggling not exactly shooting the rock well hasn't been able to get off to his spots and and kind of hit things that we usually seeing him hit you know pulling up for the jumper shooting over everybody. He's only made 13 of 41 field goal attempts so far in both those games, four of 17 in game two. And if he's shooting like that, the Nets don't have much of a chance to win unless Kyrie goes off for 50, which obviously is easier said than done. So that series is something I'm looking at. If the Celtics obviously take, take, take game three. I think Brooklyn's going to come out with its, you know, biggest effort and, and hardest punch it could throw. But the Celtics have the defense to be able to sustain that. And I think that's where the issues are going to come in for Brooklyn is that if Durant or Irving is struggling, where are the points going to come from? Seth Curry, you know, is trying to do his thing, trying to trying to be a little bit better in terms of bringing more offense and more consistency, but we haven't been able to see that on a regular basis so far. So again, the Nets clearly in trouble. We were talking about them as some sort of super team coming into the season. Obviously, that didn't commence and you're looking at a, at a squad now without James Harden, who is thankfully a sixer, but Ben Simmons could make his return for game four. I don't know how much he's going to be able to help. Clearly not a scorer, but helps on the defensive end. Conditioning-wise, you're not getting more than maybe 10 minutes out of him at, at this point of the season. So again, the Brooklyn Nets are in huge trouble. We where Everybody was looking at them like, Do you, I don't want to play Brooklyn in round one. And the Celtics are making easy work of them. So to me... I would love to see Boston take care of business in Game 3 simply because that wraps up that series, and we kind of know where we're going to be headed with three teams coming out of the East. That bucks bulls that's going to be up in the air. I think these two games in Chicago are obviously going to go a long way to decide who wins that series, but if that's 2-2 going back to Milwaukee for Game 5, then I'd give the Bulls a chance. But if, if Milwaukee can take care of business, we get some superhuman performances from Giannis, I think that's then, yeah, milwaukee boston Miami, Philly, that's going to be your final four in the East. A lot left to be settled, though. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of injuries. Like I said, Trey Young has the ability to go off and score 50 in a couple of games and bring Atlanta back into it. But again, I'd be surprised to see that I'm going with those four teams that I mentioned in the East, in the West, obviously got the Warriors up three to nothing now. That looks like it's a foregone conclusion that they'll be moving on to round two. I like the Grizzlies after their huge comeback over, over Minnesota. So that's going to be a great matchup in, in round two. And then you're looking around at the other couple of series, Luca possibly back for game four. If he is, I think the Mavs are taking that one in four or five, or pardon me, five or six. And then again, even with Phoenix and the Orleans, which we thought was going to be a cakewalk. Now with Booker's status up in the air, likely to miss at least games three and four, although we could see something longer from him. And if the Pelicans take care of business at home, again. We don't, know what, we don't know what's going to happen. This is the first year, and I talked about this a lot on the podcast, that we don't know who is going to win the NBA championship this season. And I think that's why it's going to be entertaining as hell to watch this postseason, see which teams are going to come out. The East is going to be a complete bud bath as you get into round two. And so I'm here for it. I'm looking forward to seeing the Sixers hopefully moving on to at least the conference finals taking on Boston or Milwaukee. But again, lots of work to be done yet. That'll do it for this inaugural episode of the nba whip around like i said if you have any feedback or want to discuss hoops with me you can get at me at jazz kang 21 on twitter that's j-a-s-k-a-n-g paul hudrick will be launching his own thing he'll be doing the sixers playoff beat we'll get that episode coming up on monday and then jackson frank and i will be back with the post game on saturday after the sixers hopefully sweep the toronto raptors